and more in our society um, leaves out more and more people uh, because there are so many people that uh, either are not connected uh, to their fathers or they have a bad relationship with their father or they're disconnected with their fathers. And so um, I thought this Father's Day, instead of doing the warm and fuzzy thing about your dad, because you may or may not have the warm and fuzzies about your dad, I'm going to talk about something I'm going to call spiritual, I'm surrogate fathers. Surrogate fathers. And I don't even know if surrogate fathers is the right name, because um, surrogate father kind of has a technical definition. That's not quite what I mean. Uh, if you look up surrogate father, it kind of means like a father who is a father figure for you if your father wasn't there. But I, I, I'm not even talking about if your father wasn't there for you. If your father was there for you or if your father was not there for you, we need more fathers in our lives than just our biological fathers. Because one father can't do it all. In fact, if the, the, the problem with being a dad is our example is the Heavenly Father. <laughs> and so all of us fall short of being the Heavenly Father, and we need uh, help with fathering. And so I'm reading through the Bible this year, and I'm at a really exciting point. I love going through the Kings and Chronicles and studying the, the history of Israel. And uh, I'm, I'm on the story of one of the prophets now by the name of Elijah, and I'm going to use the story of Elijah and Elisha to talk about surrogate fathers. Um, and I'm going to ask you to do something that kind of kind of old school that I used to do a lot, but it'll help you just to stretch out because you've been sitting for a while. But if you just stand for a moment in the honor of the reading of God's Word, um, I won't have you sit through the whole reading of the Scripture because I have a little bit longer Scripture reading today. But uh, just to, in, to honor God's Word this morning, 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 15 says this, And this is the Lord speaking to Elijah. And the Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. And when you get there, anoint Haziel king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu son of Nimshi king over Israel. And anoint Elisha son of Shephat from Abel, Meholah, to succeed you as prophet. In other words, I want you to anoint your successor. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. And I just pray, Lord, that as we talk about surrogate fathers, Lord, that you would release the fathering spirit even among us, God. And I ask, Lord, in Jesus' name, that uh, you would provide us with fathers, Lord God, that will see things in us that we cannot see in ourselves and help us to become more than we could have become. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. You may be seated. I'm going to continue reading the scripture here because you need to hear a little bit more of the story about when Elijah finds Elisha. So in verse 19 it says, So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen. Uh, now if I understand this right, this would be 24 oxes because a yoke would be two of them together. So there's a mag- picture 24 oxen together. This is like a, a wide tractor. He's got a, a big farm and this is he's got uh, all of these uh, yoke of oxen. And it says this, that um, uh, he himself was driving the 12th pair. So he's actually on one of the pair. And Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. And then Elisha left his oxen and ran after Elijah. And then he says, let me kiss my father and mother goodbye. He's saying goodbye to his biological father and mother because he needs something from this surrogate father. Uh, He said, and then I'll come to you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elijah left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen. He slaughtered them. 
his yoke of oxen, his tractor. He kills his tractor. He burns the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. Now in 2 Kings chapter 2, we're going to get to the end of Elijah's life. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on the on their way from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel, and the company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yeah, I know, Elisha replied. Shut up about it. Basically what he says. Yeah, I know. So be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, Elisha, the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I'm not going to leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yeah, I know, he replied, so be quiet about it. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak. This is a big deal. He rolls it. He strikes the water with it. The water divides to the right and to the left. This is awesome. And the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. Now, you've asked a difficult thing, Elijah said, yet if you see me when I'm, when I'm taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. And as they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared, separated the two of them, and Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father! Isn't it interesting what he calls him? My father! My father! the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. And then Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood at the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. Same thing his master had done. Now, where now is the God of Elijah, he asked. When he struck the water, Whoosh, it divided it to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. The company of the prophets from Jericho who were watching said, The spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. And they went to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. It's been said that there is no success without a successor. I think it would be a terrible thing, Pastor Evans, to live your life and to accomplish great things. But at the end of your life, Everyone celebrates you at your funeral and your work dies with you. That everything that you did and everything that you accomplished was, was just there for your lifetime and, and really it's kind of a, an altar to you and what you accomplished and what you did and, 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 and that's not real success. Real success. And in fact, one of the big concerns I had in coming to uh, Knoxville was God, I don't want my work in Murfreesboro to, to, be a, to, to, to not have, to have been done in vain and, and for that work to stop there. It was really exciting last week to be able to go back to Murfreesboro as I, I did a funeral for one, an elderly lady from our church who had died 
at age 95 by getting hit by a car, if you can imagine. She was out getting her mail and, and was, was hit by a car, but she had been a mentor to me, and she was a, a wonderful lady. But I went back, and I was with Pastor Rick, who's now pastoring there. The building looks better than it ever has before. God's doing great things at the church and all kinds of things, and it makes me feel good. It's not the same church as it was when I was there, nor should it be. But God's doing great things, and there's no success without a successor. Surrogate fathers. So here's how I'm going to define a surrogate father. Men outside of your biological adoptive or foster father who empower you by imparting their wisdom and knowledge. They empower you by imparting wisdom and knowledge to you. They give you power. That's what empower means. Elijah gave to Elisha power. And one of the ways he did it was by giving him uh, his wisdom and his knowledge. Now, now in our culture, we're familiar, even on some of our TV shows with surrogate fathers. I'll go through some of them with you. Go ahead uh, real quick here. This will be a little fun section. If you saw the show Home Improvement, you know, if you saw Home Improvement, remember Mr. Wilson who uh, lived next door? You never saw anything but the top of his face. But Mr. Wilson always was giving advice to this family. Go to the next one. Yes, you have John Keating from Dead Poets Society. He said to his students at the boarding school, avoid using the word very because it's lazy. A man is not very tired. He's exhausted. Don't use very sad. Use morose. Language was invented for one reason, boys, to woo women. And in that endeavor, laziness will not do, and it won't do in your essays. He taught us that in that movie. Ah, in the Lion King, Timon and Pumbaa. When Mufasa dies and Simba is grieving and he goes out into the Serengeti, he meets Timon and Pumbaa who teach him a valuable lesson after your father has died. After your father has died, you must keep on living and you must learn a new word, Simba. You must learn Hakuna Matata. Right? You've got to learn that no worries, okay? Uh, Simba, life's going to go on again. Everything's going to be cool. Everything's going to be fine. Hakuna Matata. And uh, so that means no worries. By the way, uh, we've got Evans and Ashley here. They're from, the, uh, from Kenya, where the Maasai Mara is, which is basically the only thing between that and the Serengeti is just the, the, um, the, the line of Tanzania and Kenya. In Kenya, it's called the Maasai Mara. And in, in, uh, in Tanzania, it's called the Serengeti. This is where the Lion King was. We talked about it at Easter. Coach Taylor on Friday Night Lights, who said to his, his boys, clear eyes. Full hearts, can't lose. Remember, we, we said that mantra over and over in that series. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. And he was a, a surrogate father to those boys. Uh, in uh, uh, Philip Banks, uh, uh, how many have uh, seen this show here? Um, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Philip Banks was, 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 a, uh, was a surrogate father. He said, before you criticize someone, you find out what he's all about. And then in Star Wars, there's Obi-Wan Kenobi, Right? And then in Goodwill Hunting, Dr. Sean McGuire, who said, real loss is only possible when you love something more than you love yourself. Then go to the next one. Chris really liked this one, Chris Randolph, from uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, this is uh, Master Splinter, who says, the path that leads to what we truly desire is long and difficult, but only by following that path do we achieve our goal. And the Karate Kid, it was Mr. Miyagi, right, who taught us wax on, 
wax off. Uncle Ben, uh, Uncle Ben, hey Ben. We had Uncle Phil and Uncle Ben. How about that? Uncle Ben, remember with great power comes great responsibility. Spider-Man. These are surrogate fathers. This, is not, this message is not to be critical of your biological father. But uh, as, as much as I love my kids and as much as I like to pour into Natalie and Christiana and Noah, I hate to admit it, but they need some stuff that I don't got to use poor English. They need an English teacher, for one, that I don't have. I, I told this story of the first service, Natalie. I told about the day you called me, Dad, I've got a flat tire. Remember that just a couple weeks? But Dad, I got a flat tire. And I'm not one of those dads. I'm not one of those, well, I'll get my toolbox here and I'll find me a ha 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 ha. I'm not one of those dads. I'm the kind of guy that's got the phone number for the roadside service, okay? I'll call the roadside. So I'm like, Natalie, just calm down. I'll call roadside service. We got roadside service on our insurance. She says, well, don't worry about it. I'll call Tom. Ticked me off. She called another dad. He's one of those guys. Tom was right on it, man. He had her tire changed and all of that. You know what? And I walked my daughter down the aisle, but Tom stood up as one of her ushers. Because Tom sold her a house, but he not only gave Natalie a great deal on it, he's decided to father her when it comes to business. He's teaching her about property management. And he's teaching her all kinds of things about the stuff that I don't have that, that, that he's pouring into her life. Christiana has, uh, is going to do great things in life. But, but she went to College of the Ozarks and she had mentors who poured some things into her life that I could not pour into her life so that she could become more than she could become if it was just me that was pouring into her. How many know what I'm talking about this morning? My son Noah is gone this morning because he's getting further training that I can't give him. He's away at Lee University for a couple weeks, taking some college courses, experiencing some things that he could not experience at home, and he's getting that. We need surrogate fathers. And so back to Elijah and Elisha. What, what is this whole deal with Elijah and Elisha and surrogate fathers? So as you're filling in your blanks in your, in your bulletin, uh, we're going to fill in this phrase, surrogate fathers, dot, dot, dot. Here's what sur- surrogate fathers do. They impart gifts in you that you didn't know you had. <laughs> Elisha the farmer is going to become Elisha the prophet. And Elijah sees things and, and, and God sees things. That's even more important. God sees things in Elisha that Elisha can't see, and he sends a man to say, I want you to unlock some things in Elisha that he does not even know that he has. There has got to be some people in your life that see your blind spots. You think you're limited by this and by that. But there are people that can see some things in you that have a bottle of oil that they want to pour on you. There is an anointing that they want to put on you that, 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 will, that will show you some things that you did not know that you had. And so I'm a 20-some-year-old kid. I'm off doing hospital chaplaincy, doing a residency in Oklahoma City. 
I've left my denomination because I felt called to do so. And in my denomination, my denomination was like Elisha's family farm. I knew the farm. I knew how to work the farm. I knew my future in the farm. I knew I, I, I had connections in the farm. My, my wife's parents were preachers. My parents were preachers. Her grandparents were the head of our whole denomination. Our future at the farm was, was cut out for us. We knew what our future looked like. And God called us to leave that farm. And, and I needed some people. And there was a guy by the name of Pastor Hardwick. He was a pastor in Nashville, Tennessee. He's still one of our overseers today. But he saw things in me that I didn't see in myself. And I called him one day and I said, Pastor Hardwick, I said, I'm a man without a country. I don't have a denomination. I don't know how you find a church. I'm doing well as a hospital chaplain, but I feel this call in me to pastor, Pastor Evans. And, and here's this pastor of this mega church in, in Nashville, Tennessee. And he said, uh, he said, son, I just received a call from a church in southern Illinois that said they're looking for a pastor. And it was him that, that put me in touch with that church. And, and he saw things that I didn't see in myself. There was a time, um, I think I'm getting ahead of myself. I'll come back to that. But anyway, so, so, so they, they see things in you and they unlock things in you that you didn't know you had. But another thing that, that, that uh, these surrogate fathers do is they help you to break out of the status quo. This has been an awesome service this morning, and I have just felt God's presence in such a way. But one of the things that I have felt, even as we were worshiping this morning, is that God wants us, Life Church, to break out of the status quo. That God doesn't want us to see ourselves the way that we've always seen ourselves. Because, you know what, one, one thing that we could do is we could say, you know what, we're not doing too bad here. We've got, you know, we've got a couple services now on Sunday mornings, and, and uh, you know, we've got a nice little church. This church has been around here 100 years that still have 100 in their church, and we've got 100 people now, and things are good, and we've got Pastor Evans coming here just shaking the house on Sunday nights, you know, and, and uh, we could just be all excited about that, and we could just say, aren't we awesome, and we could just be comfortable in the status quo, and we could live on the family farm all of our lives. But aren't you thankful for some people that will break you out of the status quo and say there's more to life than you could ever imagine? And, and I want you to see some things that you've never seen before. And uh, the thing that really, that really struck me about this is this. Elisha does not just follow Elijah. Elisha does something. I don't know if you caught it when we read it. He burned his plow. And he burned his tractors. Why does Elisha burn the plow and why does he burn the tractors? He does it because he knows the truth that all of us know. We always like to go into life with, I'll try this, but if things don't work out... I can always go back to this. You know, if, 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 the, if the profit business isn't working out too good, I can always farm. But I just love this story that Elisha says, you know what? 
I'm kissing you goodbye, Mom and Dad. You've brought me as far as you can bring me. But there's some things inside of me, and I'm going to burn the... I'm going to sell the farm. I'm going to burn the tractor. I'm going to burn the plow. Because God's got bigger things for me than I could ever have imagined before. And the reason I bring that up this morning is because I think the churches are full of people who've got one church, one foot in the world, and one foot in the church. They're saying, you know what, I'm going to go over here on Sundays, and I'm going to dabble in a little bit of God on Sunday mornings, and I like what I feel there. But, you know, I'm really safe over here, away from God on Monday through Friday, so I'm going to come here on Sundays. Let me just tell you, this is a word for somebody. Somebody here needs to sell the farm. Somebody here needs to burn the tractor. Somebody here needs to burn the plow and say, I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Oh, that's good preaching. Anyhow, I'm going to write that one down right there. You need to sell the farm. Jesus said, anyone who follows me and looks back is not worthy of the kingdom. If you're going to follow him, you've got to follow him all the way. I think one of the problems in America today, I think one of the problems with the church today is that the church hasn't fully sold the farm. We've got a foot in the world, and we've got a foot in the kingdom of God, and it's time for us to go all in. Amen. Amen. So they'll impart gifts in you you didn't know. They'll break you out of the status quo. When I was, when I was a hospital chaplain, an interesting thing happened um, with this whole thing about going to southern Illinois. And uh, <clears throat> back then it was interesting how you became the pastor of a church. I don't know if you've ever heard of this, uh, Pastor Evans, but the way we did it is, is uh, you, you tried out. You had a tryout. So it's like you, you go and you go and preach a sermon with other people that are going to be preaching on the weeks before you and the weeks. It's like a Betty Crocker cook-off, you know. So like whoever cooks the best cake, you know, wins the award. So it's like you just preach your best sermon and then hope you get elected as pastor because if you can preach a good sermon, you must be a great pastor. That's the way they thought back then. Well, not many people wanted to go to Southern Illinois, so the odds were in my favor there. But there were two of us, two of us. Me and one other guy, and I knew the guy. We were kind of friends. We were actually at a conference together on the night that they were going to be voting. So we're like awkwardly saying hi to one another, you know, knowing that we're, our, our futures are at stake here, you know, and all of that. This church in southern Illinois is going to be voting on us. And the other guy that was trying out with me came up to me. He said, Phil, I just want you to know, I want you to know that I've taken my name out. I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> this is great. I'm obviously the guy then. So I went through that service, and I knew they were having church there, and I was supposed to be getting a call later that night from the pastor that in southern Illinois, and the phone didn't ring. and The next day it didn't ring, and, and, and finally I called him, and he didn't know what to say, and he said, he said I don't know how to tell you this, Phil, he said, but but there's little controversy going on in the church, and even though that guy pulled out, um, we couldn't get half the people to vote for you. So uh, that's pretty bad when you're running by yourself and you lose. And uh, that, that's, that's bad. I'm going to have to go back and look at those sermon notes that I preached on that day, but I don't know, I don't know what happened. But anyway... Here's what he said, though. He said, he said, we're still interested in you. Just, just, he said, just keep us, don't forget about us. We're, we're, we're still trying to work this out. We're trying to work this out. 
And, um, and meanwhile, back on the farm, I'm working as a hospital chaplain and I'm good at it. And, and, and because I'm good at it, they're offering me a supervisory position, a career position. The, the way up the ladder in hospital chaplaincy is I'm going to become a supervisor of other pastors and my career is going to be set for me. I'm good at it. I know how to do it. But there's only one problem. I've got a call on my life. Has there ever been a tension in your life between things that you're just good at and you can, and you can, you can go through? You can even live, live a good life and they can say nice things at your funeral. But there's, but there's something there's something more that God has for you. There's something, there's some kind of breakout plan. That, and I'm talking to some people here today that, you know, you're going through some motions right now, but inside of you there's a dream that's bigger than, than where you're at right now. And I just want to empower you this morning and say that God hasn't forgotten you. So my boss called and said, we'd like to offer you this supervisory position. I said, great. Thank you. I only have one problem. I said, this church in Murfreesboro, they're still trying to make up their mind about me. And um, my boss said something very wise. He said, well, I'm going to give you until tomorrow to give me an answer. He said, but I don't want you to become a supervisor in our hospital because things didn't work out for you in Murfreesboro. You need to decide whether you're supposed to be a supervisor in this hospital or you're just going to throw caution to the wind about this church that hasn't decided on you. And here's the problem. My contract was going to be ending in a couple months with that hospital. I was doing an internship. So my con- after the contract was over, it was supervisor or done. All or Nothing. And so I went back to Melanie, and we got back, and we reminded ourselves. We reminded ourselves about, about um, the, the call of God on our lives. And I came back to my supervisor, and I said, I'm so honored that you invited us to be the supervisor. But whether it works out or not, there's something inside of me that's never going to be happy if I, don't, if I don't pursue this. And so, in a way, I burned the farm. I burned the farm and I burned the plow and I burned, I burned, that, I burned that opportunity and, and uh, thank God. But remember, Melanie, it was during that time when we went to church one Sunday and they were given an altar call and I came forward and uh, one of the elders of the church laid hands on me and they said, what do you want prayed for? And, the, and, and I said, I just want to be a pastor. I want God to open a door for me. And she, this female elder, says to me, While you're saying that, I felt the Lord speaking to me. And what the Lord spoke to me was this. He wants him to be enough for you. That it's not about your career and it's not about your calling, but he just wants, he wants him to be enough for you. And I broke down into a puddle of tears and I said, God, I'll do whatever I have to do for the rest of my life. You know, if I, if I've got a, a greed in Walmart, I'll do it, but I want you to be enough for me, whatever it is. And uh, it was just after that that Murfreesboro called and that door opened. But let me just tell you something. Sometimes you have to burn the farm because one of the things, one of the things, uh, if you want real power in your new life, you're going to have to burn your old life. Did you hear me? If you want, if you want real power in your new life, 
You've got to burn your old life. But another thing is they will take you places you never thought you would go. These surrogate fathers will take you places. Elisha left that family farm and he went to see places he never thought that he would see before. Can I just tell you something? That when you get, when you get in with God, he's going to take you places you never thought before. I don't want to scare you this morning, but there's some people here that you've never imagined it, but you're going to spend some time on the mission field. You're going to spend some time going to places that you never thought that you would go because there's going to be people that are going to put their hands on you and they're going to give you they're going to give you what they have and they're going to see things in you that you didn't know that you had and they're going to empower you and you're going to do some things you're going to do some things that you never thought that you could do this journey's taken us from this little town in Murfreesboro Illinois and from there we went to Russia and did missions and we've been to Kenya We've been to Europe, and we've even been to eastern Tennessee. It'll take you places where you never thought you'd go. Lord, speaking to some people here this morning about dreaming things that are bigger than you ever thought of before. There's some people that want to unlock some things in you that you never thought you could do. You're going to become some things you never thought you could become. I want my children to take it further than I went. I've always said to my own biological kids, I want you to exceed me. I don't want I, I want you to I, I want your lives to go so much farther. I, I I want to be a platform on which you can live your lives. I want to be a launching pad. Natalie, I want you to go farther. Christiana, I want you to go farther. No, I want you to go farther. But you know what? I got a lot more kids than that, and I want all of you to go farther. Everyone that I get a chance to touch, everyone that I get a chance to mentor, everyone that I get a chance to lay hands on, I want to see you do things that I cannot do and go places that I cannot go. And I want to see you accomplish things that I can't accomplish. Amen. And so Elisha did. He said, I, uh, what, do you, what do you want, Elisha? I want a, I want a double portion. I want, I want Elijah times two. Now, that's asking a lot because in the Old Testament, there's no greater prophet than Elijah. He said, I want Elijah times two. You know, I saw that some student of the Bible recorded all of the recorded miracles of Elijah and all the ones of Elisha. There were 14 recorded miracles of Elijah. There were 28 recorded miracles of Elisha. Double portion. I, I, I want to take it further. I want to, I want to do more. I want to see God do more. So, in closing, you might be asking, okay, so, so I hear you, Pastor. What, 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 what do you want us to do? And what I'm going to say, um, it, it may sound kind of silly to you because it kind of goes against the way our culture thinks, but here's what I want to tell you. Find a father to serve. Elisha says to Elijah, whatever you need, I'm your guy. I, I, you know, I'll carry your bags. I'll do whatever you want to because I want to be around you. I want to see how you live your life. I want to be with you. I'll, I'll, I just want to so find, find somebody that you can serve and begin serving them. Find those fathers that you need. Natalie, if you need Tom, just serve Tom, and Tom will open up doors you never thought. And then carefully observe their way of life. Hebrews 13, 7 says, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. 
Consider the outcome of their life and imitate their faith. Find some people that you don't just listen to their sermons. Hear me, church. One of the great problems in America today is we are attracted to words that will tickle our ears instead of following leaders that we want to live our lives the way they live their lives. I think I'm going to say that one again. We look for the good preacher. We look for the one who will excite us. But find some leaders that you want to imitate their lives. This, this, uh, this lady that I buried this last week, she was a lady like that for me. She was a surrogate mother to me. She was my main encourager in, in southern Illinois at 95 years old. Was I came as a young whippersnapper pastor, and some of the older folks weren't too sure about me because the last pastor was 65 years old, and I was 29. And she, and she was at that time 75. And she got with me, and she said, Pastor, I'm with you, and everyone that I can influence is going to be with you she stayed with me to the very end and her family wanted me to do her funeral and at the end of her funeral I looked at her casket and I said here lies the greatest sermon you will ever hear here lies the best altar call that you will ever experience she lived her life with incredible integrity and so find some leaders that you want to imitate their lives and, 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 and so Elisha says to Elijah I'm not leaving you. I'm not leaving you. It must have been a little irritating to Elijah. Dear Lord, I just want to go in the woods and pray. I'm not leaving you. Stay back here, Elisha. I'm going to the next time. I'm not leaving you. And and then he has the hecklers. Hey, you're, you're... your, your guy's leaving you today. Shut up. I don't want to hear about it. I'm following this guy. I'm following this guy. Find, find some people that you want to, that you want to, you know, nobody, let me just say this. Nobody has all the traits you want. That's why the Apostle Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. When you see me off, strand off, don't follow that. But, but as I'm following Christ, follow me. You know, we have, we have leaders today that are saying, oh, I don't want to be a role model. I'm just a basketball player. I'm not a role model. Don't ask me to be a role model. God's called us to be role models. He's called us to, as closely as we can, walk with him and ask other people to follow. And then the last thing that I want to say, and this is what Elijah did to Elijah, insist on the blessing. You're not... I see it in Jacob. I'm not going away until you bless me. I'm not... I'm not... I'll wrestle with you. I know you're an angel. I know you can beat me. I know that, but I'm not leaving you. I'll hang on. I'll hang on to one rib and one leg and one wing if I have to, but I'm not leaving you until you bless me. 
need the blessing of the fathers in our life. I, let me just say this. I'm the pastor of this church, but I'm for sure not the only father in this church. And I've got fathers in this church. I want to just put you on the spot, Eulon. I call you every week. fathers in my life. My, I got a great daddy. My daddy can't be with me all the time. I'm watching the way you live your life. You know, I'm, I'm dressing a little better because of you. Not, I'm not there yet. But I respect not only what you do, but why you do it. Elon told me, he said, he said, I used to be a grungy professor. You mind me if I tell the story? I didn't ask you. He said, I used to be a grunge professor. Kind of like me. I'm kind of a grunge preacher sometimes, but kind of a grunge professor. He wore the grungy clothes and all that. And he said, and one day he said, you know what? I'm in a great profession. And I'm going to start honoring my profession. So he started dressing, not because his boss required it, but he started dressing to honor his profession. I just like that. I, I just respect that, Eulen. This lady I buried the other day, I never saw her wear pants. She always wore a skirt. She had zero condemnation for anybody else who wore pants. But she said, she was an Assembly of God preacher's wife for many years. She made a vow to God when she was very young. Lord, just as a way for me to look like a lady, this is what I'm going to do. I think Melanie looks great in pants, skirts. And I won't say what else I was going to say. But anyway, uh, she just looks great. But anyway, um, <laughs> let me get back under the anointing. All right. Um, <laughs> And so, and so he was saying, he started wearing jackets about the time his wife was dying. And he was saying, I'm going to honor this moment. I'm going to honor this. I'm going to honor this journey. I'm going to honor this. That's a mentoring thing. for. I th- you don't know this, you and I think about that all the time. I wish you almost hadn't told me about it. I just can't get it out of my mind. I just, but, I, but, I, but what I do is, not that I can exactly imitate what you're doing, but, okay, so am I honoring my profession? You know, this morning we had people stand for the reading of the Word of God, and I don't think you have to make a legalism. But I want to honor what we do here. You know what? Yeah, we're casual and contemporary, and we're trying to be a church for the unchurched and all that. But we do some pretty serious business here, and we need to honor that. We need to honor the Word of God, and we need to honor those things. We need to honor those fathers that we have among us. And so, so don't go away without the blessing. That's all I got for you today. Happy Father's Day.